and a physician and the host of the SOAR podcast, a place where black women get to tell their stories about overcoming limiting beliefs. One week, my conversation with the college dean on colorism may spark activism. And the next week, you might feel like a fly on the wall, listening as I hold space for a teacher who's fighting to hold back tears. My guests are diverse, like beautiful feathers that make up the wings of our sisterhood. Hello. Hello. How are you doing this evening? Awesome. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. And hello to everyone out there who is listening to the podcast. Um, I just wanted to say welcome and thanks for joining with us. And tonight I'm really excited because I have with me uh, Elisha. And Elisha, I'll tell you a little bit about her, but we met as being part of the HOCO Business Accelerator Program. So we are both entrepreneurs and business owners, and we realized that we had a lot in common and wanted to collaborate and work well with each other. So we're getting excited about all of the different projects that we'll be doing together, and we're launching it off with this one. So... Elisha is a therapist who has a passion to help people go from a place of pain to a place of healing. Her private practice is located in Catonsville, Maryland, and she specializes in helping others in the specialties of depression, anxiety, and trauma. She partners with her clients and she walks beside them to ensure that they receive the healing needed and not just to treat the symptoms. Exactly. I think that's what we all want. We want the healing, not just to treat the symptoms. She is also a motivational speaker, author, and host of the podcast, Elisha's Space. So welcome to SOAR, Elisha. Thank you so much. I'm so uh, honored to be here. I appreciate the invitation and I look forward to talking with everyone. So hello, everyone. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So our topic tonight is on insomnia um, and also on uh, depression and anxiety, because a lot of times underlying insomnia, there is some depression and anxiety. And the reason I really wanted to talk about this topic is because insomnia is really becoming a big issue these days. It's mm -hmm. increasing. Some people have even said that COVID uh, and the, the aftermath of COVID can uh, cause some insomnia. And I wanted to share a couple of things that I found out, which I thought were just amazing statistics. 50% of United States adults say that they experience insomnia either once a month or more. I thought that that was just amazing. That, that affects a lot of people. And 36% of U.S. adults say they struggle to fall asleep at least once a week. 
So it's definitely something that's affecting a lot of people. And it, it changes um, by different age ranges, you know, at different times of your life, you may experience it more than others. But as we're talking about like what you are really, um, uh, what you do is help people make changes from the inside out and do healing from the inside out. I wanted to first just give you a chance to share your story. Um, how did you come to be where you are today? Well, this is another career for me. Um, over 20 years ago, I, I don't know if we've even talked about this, uh, Stephanie. I am a survivor of domestic violence. So I was in a pretty bad marriage. I had At the time, I had two twin sons that were pretty young. And I left everything in order to um, make sure um, we were okay. And throughout that time period, um, you know, I had my own, I, I had to deal with my own trauma. I had to help and support my young sons and make sure they were getting uh, the emotional um, and as well as physical support they needed because I found myself as a single parent. And then also to experience depression and, and, and some anxiety and insomnia. My goodness, I had experienced some insomnia. Mm -hmm. So um, just with the pressures of all of that and with me going through my own healing journey, this is my way of coming full circle of my healing journey. Everybody's healing journey looks mm -hmm. different. This is yeah. mine. And this is how I did it. And I get the most fulfillment. This is my, I'm not just doing my, um, I am not just doing a job. This is my purpose. So, and that feels good to finally be someplace where you're, where you're, where you know you're at the right place and space. It's more meaningful. Absolutely, and I'm sure your your clients really appreciate the fact that you have personal knowledge. You're not just talking to them from something that you learned in a textbook, exactly. but you're talking to them from personal experience with a lot of the same things that they're experiencing. And, and that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Uh, well, I really appreciate you sharing your story and, and just being vulnerable enough to tell us that because I'm sure that there are people who are either listening now or who will listen to this podcast who have had similar experiences and just being able to talk about it and, nor and normalize the fact that it happens and that there is healing on the other side of it, right? And there are yeah, people exactly. out there. Yeah, who can help you through that trauma. Um, that's a very hopeful message. So starting off just with talking about insomnia, I know you said that um, as a therapist, do you find that you see more people coming to you complaining of insomnia? And what do you typically tell them when they come to you with complaints of insomnia? So it doesn't matter <laughs> what they're seeing before. It's common if you are experiencing some type of mental, some issue with mental health, that there is some insomnia there. And then it also affects diet and things of that nature too. So I want to dig a little bit deeper when I'm working with the client to find out if, you know, what is, what is your routine in the evening what do you you know um do you put your give yourself a pause button and just take out some time for yourself um those types of things 
that's kind of what I, I try to find out from that person. And I also want to see where you are as far as having your, um, where you are within your depression or your anxiety. Is it a seasonal thing if it's depression? Is it a, um, is it a situational thing if it's anxiety? Is it a project that you have coming up in work with work, you see? And so I, that's kind of what I look at when I work with people and kind of see what they're doing. Um, it, you know, one situation may not be applicable to another situation. You know, it could be um, that the person's maybe not having a regular sleep pattern. Maybe they're having some chronic pain. You know, um, it could be a medication that they're taking. So, you know, or it could be something more serious, like a neurological disorder. So I kind of look at, want to talk to them and get data so that I can and see what's what's going on, you know. And if I need to collaborate with someone else um, within the medical field, then I want to look, at, talk to them too and see what's happening. Yeah, I like what you said about the sleep routine, because I find that a lot of a lot of clients that I work with and also a lot of patients that I see, one of the major factors with insomnia is that sleep routine. Sometimes we're just going, 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 and then we just expect to fall asleep immediately. And we don't give ourselves that, that downtime, that time to wind down. Um, and then the other thing that I hear a lot is, well, you know, I can survive off of four hours of sleep or off of five hours of sleep. I really don't need that much sleep. And maybe you don't need that much sleep, but I would like people to know that there are consequences to being sleep deprived, um, mm -hmm. physical consequences. Um, chronic sleep deprivation can lead to heart disease. It can lead to diabetes. Um, clearly, if it's not, even if it's not caused by anxiety and depression, it can lead to anxiety and depression. Uh, it can also lead to decreased cognitive abilities, weight gain, um, a weakened immune system, and even a lower sex drive. <laughs> so I think it's really important for us to strive to get um, the proper amount of sleep so that we can just be as healthy and as happy and as whole as we possibly can. Um, and I like what you said about really approaching it from a standpoint of gathering information because one person's reason for not sleeping well is different than another person's reason. And sometimes people have problems falling asleep and sometimes mm -hmm. people have problems staying asleep. And is there one that's more associated with anxiety and depression versus the other in terms of falling asleep and staying asleep? No, unfortunately, because we're all unique. So because we're all unique, our bodies are responding in unique ways to anxiety and depression. So there's not necessarily one prescribed formula or another prescribed formula, which is why the data is so important to get. Okay. You know? Yeah, which is why the data is important to get. And what you were saying about um, the importance of um, having a routine in the evening, it's so important. You know, it's, I remember when I was, when I was a kid and you guys were probably like this too, we had a bedtime, you know, 8 o'clock came around. We took, you know, we brushed our teeth. We had our pajamas on, you know, we were read a story if that's what your family mm -hmm. did. Um, 
and we did things to wind down in our the way the way within the synapses of our brain if we don't do things to try to wind down in the evening your brain starts to think okay something's unfinished something's mm -hmm. undone and that is part of what leads to not being able to rest well because your brain is thinking something still needs to get done you know so we really need to kind mm -hmm. of like wind down and and take that time out it's uh take the time out because if it looks unfinished our brain connects connects that and thinks something's unfinished mm -hmm. so that's why order i think is so important too like having um um clear spaces around you you know right. as you're able to you know not having a lot of clutter on your bed you know if if when it's your bedtime it's your bedtime you know don't um you know use your uh, reserve your bedtime for sleeping and sex you know mm -hmm. <laughs> you know reserve it for that everything else i suggest taking it out of your bed especially if you're dealing with insomnia so that your body knows and your brain connects that this is time to, now I need to rest. Now I need to go to sleep. Yeah. So does that mean televisions? Now, what about people who like to fall asleep to the television? Uh, what do you think about that? I think that it's another situation of, because even though your brain can't rest, right? If, if it's hearing the audible, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Now, if it's set, like I would say if it's set to, to go to sleep, I would say that's okay if you make that part of your nighttime routine. But then again, and the, but you know, also be conscientious of what you're watching on TV. Like, what do you want to watch right before you go to sleep? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, do you want to? And 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 you know, I would also say this too. If you are someone that's dealing with anxiety and depression, um if you're watching things that may be upsetting and upsetting can be something as simple as the news really. So yeah. if you're watching something that's upsetting, it's not uncommon for you to have a nightmare about it. And that's uninterrupted sleep. You know, you want to have uninterrupted sleep. So I would say even be cautious about what you're allowing in your atmosphere right before you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I remember when I was a little, I could fall asleep with the television on. Now I cannot. If I fall asleep with the television on, a couple of hours later, I'm going to wake up because of that stimulation from the television. It's, it's talking to my brain and my brain thinks it's time to respond or something. Uh, so I can't even sleep like that anymore. And I also wanted to say, if you have any questions um, for Elisha, feel free to type them in the chat or in the comments. Um, we're happy to to take questions. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about anxiety and depression. And I know that there's lots of different ways to treat anxiety and depression. And I am in favor of doing whatever it is that works for you. But when you, when I read your bio and you, and you really talked about wanting to do things from the inside out and as naturally as possible... What does that look like when it comes to treating either anxiety or depression? So well, there's a lot of data that's gathered, right? And then I have a survey that uh, someone 
that, you know, uh, the client would fill out for me. And that just kind of lets me know how you tick. It tells me a little bit about who you are as an individual. And so with a combination of the data and with the survey that, that you filled out that tells me a little bit about who you are, I combine and use that information in order to build um, a treatment plan that works for you. So what works for, you know, Susan may not work for um, Tony. And that's okay because like I mentioned before, just like with uh, when you talk about sleep patterns, um, what might look um, out of or the ordinary for one person may not look out of the ordinary for the other. Uh. Um, a lot of times too, I'll ask you to um, journal your meals because it could be something that's going on with your meals um, that's helping to uh, affect your diet is regarding um, uh, regarding anxiety and depression. Um, I'll ask you to log your sleep since we're talking about insomnia. I think that's really important. I want to know, is there a pattern around when you wake up, when, when you get interrupted or uninterrupted sleep? Um, do you find that you're going to sleep at a certain time? What are you doing before you go to sleep? You know, mm -hmm. like we were talking about, what are you, what are you doing? You know, do you take the time out to push the pause button? And then around that, we develop a treatment plan that works for the client in order to help them overcome. Because we want to get to the root of the matter. Like I always talk about getting to the root of the matter, but you also want to deal with the symptoms so that you're more, so that you're comfortable while we deal with the root of the matter. So we're dealing with the symptoms as well as what is under the current in order to assist and support. And it could, like I mentioned, it could be um, something happening at work. It could be something maybe in a relationship that you're dealing with, whether it be familial, uh, a, a family relationship or a romantic relationship. It can be so many different things. So I want to know what makes you tick so that I can make sure that you're getting what you need in, in the therapy sessions. Uh -huh. um, another thing um, that you, you do, you specialize kind of in working with anxiety, depression, and trauma. Right. Would you, I just want to make sure that we're kind of all on the same um, page. Can you just give a definition of what some of the symptoms are for anxiety, for depression and for trauma or how, how they present and how they might present differently? Oh, wow. A lot of times that they, they um, intersect, they overlap. So it can be what applies to one, maybe to another. So, you know, for depression, it could be that you're sleeping too much or you're not sleeping enough. It could be you're eating too much or you're not eating enough. It could be, um, it can be so many different things when it, when, with depression, it's hard to like put it in a bucket to say what it's, what it is. So generally speaking, this is what I say it is. If you're having increased sadness, if you feel like you're in a cloud and it's like, there's just, you just, or a fog, you feel like you're in a fog and you just don't seem feel like you can get out of it, more than likely you're dealing with depression. And a lot of times um, there was, there was a social media, I can't remember who the young lady was, but you know, she won all of these um, beauty queen awards. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, 
those people who deal with depression, they do a very good job of wearing a mask, like they're okay, mm -hmm. but they're not okay. And usually it takes people who really know them to know if that person is not okay. Mm -hmm. So you really want to pay attention. You want to hear what they're saying because you literally could be saving, saving their life, literally, um, as far as that's concerned. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it, it can be a very concerning thing. The other item is anxiety. Anxiety can be if you're having racing thoughts, if you're constantly worrying, if you feeling like you're overwhelmed and like you're in a situation where you can never catch up, um, those types of things, that's, that's kind of like what anxiety feels like. You know, if you feel like, um, if you feel like regarding depression, the world would be better off if you, if you weren't here, you know what I mean? And you really, it's not like a, it's not like, a feeling sorry for yourself is just kind of like I think the world is that if you feel unseen, you know that would cover it too. So mm -hmm. there are so many things that cover depression, as well as anxiety and trauma. I mean trauma that that's such a large spectrum. I say with trauma, if you have a um, interruption. If you have an interruption that feels like it's a shockwave, more than likely you have experienced a trauma. So okay. trauma could be, since I'm talking with the women, trauma can look like if you, um, if you gave birth to your child and if during that time period, when you were giving birth with your, with your child, um, there was something unexpected that happened, you know, um, that there's things, such things called as birth trauma, something interrupted that that happens. It can be from a car accident. It can, mm -hmm. it's more than just um, um, soldiers who go to war and come back, or even those who are in the military or serving, um, you know, a police officer who's serving the community. It can look like so many different things. So the way I define it is if you have an interruption that causes a shockwave, more than likely you've experienced some size, shape, or form of a trauma. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that because I think that sometimes there's confusion. And just like you said, it makes sense because there's overlap between anxiety, depression, and trauma. And you probably, probably just need to talk to somebody, a professional to figure out Right. which one it is, or if it's a combination of multiple things. The other thing I noticed when you were talking is that a lot of the things that you mentioned, I feel like I know I experience from time to time, and I know other people experience from time to time. How do you know when it's at a level where it's like a clinical diagnosis and you probably need to talk to somebody or be on medication or, or something like that? How do you know when it's beyond just something that you're experiencing from time to time, but it's something that you really need to seek out help for. I'm of the opinion, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a therapist. I'm, a, I'm of the opinion, like, just like you have a PCP, you know, your primary care physician, I believe you should have a mental health therapist, you know, or some type of a connection with 
a mental health individual. Um, the way that you can know is if you feel like the things that you're doing holistically, if you're not seeing the results over a period of time, and I, I leave that a flexible thing because I don't want to say three to six months. I don't want to say a year because I don't know what you're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling like you're not seeing results from things holistically, it could be. And I would add this before even going to see someone for medication, I suggest seeing a therapist who can, a, a mental health counselor, someone that can assist and support you, um, assist you, support you with getting, getting the coping skills that you need, because there's different things you can do. For example, with EMDR, there's, I mean, I mean, with trauma, there's, uh, uh, different types of things you can do, like with um, EMDR and things of that nature, uh, brain, uh, brain spotting, things like that, that can be utilized for individuals who are dealing with a trauma, where they're, they're getting the training, where you may not get the training, but have that training, but they do to help you through that. And if those things aren't working, then I would suggest you know, getting a full panel done. I wouldn't necessarily go for medication, for medication um, I would go just to make sure it could be something as simple as you needing um, additional vitamin D, okay? Or, 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 or as especially with Black women, if you're feeling tired of the time, it could be that you need more iron in your and more iron in your system. So I say get a full panel done. That way, that can be checked. And if you need medication, then go ahead and take the medication. I'm not saying don't do the medication, but so often I think we rush to get medication when there's an oft, quite often there is a, um, it's, it's not as needed as we originally thought it was. Okay. Um, what is EMDR? EMDR and, and brain spotting, th those are ways that, that people use. I'm sorry. <laughs> those are, those are, um, what, are, those are things that therapists use. That what, Not everyone who is a therapist is trained in EMDR. And quite often what that is used to assist people, it kind of like gives you, uh, I want to kind of say it helps you to, if you have, um, a memory, for example, that, that it is just very, very difficult and you can't seem to get past it. EMDR and brain spotting and some of the other um, uh, modalities that are used um, within a therapy session, those things can assist you with helping you get past it. It's like putting in an electric shock um, in order to help you move forward. So there's okay. different things that they can use and things like that. But if I go into um, the different things like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and all of that, that might be kind of a long. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> that most people are uh, familiar with talk therapy, which I think um, is yeah. cognitive behavioral therapy. But um, what you're saying is that some therapists also have other tools at their disposal that they can use in addition to talk therapy. So just right. because you've gone to a therapist and you've done talk therapy and you felt like it didn't work, doesn't mean you shouldn't 
seek out another therapist. For one thing, the relationship, you know, finding a therapist is it's a relationship. So you have to find a good fit. And then there are also different modalities of treatment that they can use. Maybe cognitive behavioral therapy is not the thing that's going to work for you, but there are other modalities. So I, I find that that's a very helpful message to share, that there are other things that can be done in therapy besides just sitting back on a couch and talking, which is what sometimes people think about when they think about therapy. Um, and I'll, I'll add this. Cognitive behavioral therapy isn't just talk therapy. Like when I think of cognitive behavioral therapy, I think of like if you're dealing with, um, if you have an issue of um, having some fear of going into crowded places, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy encourages you to slowly go into physically go into those places. Right. So it's, it's, to me, talk therapy is different from cognitive behavioral therapy because in cognitive behavioral therapy, you're taking um, scaled steps in order to go into places you normally wouldn't go or be in places you wouldn't necessarily be and learn to be comfortable in them. So it's a little bit different in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, I appreciate that um, cl clearing that up because I think sometimes we just kind of lump therapy into one category. And there really are lots of different uh, different things involved. Um, so as we were talking about medication, uh, I still, there's some locations that I work as an urgent care physician that have a reputation for young people who are coming in who are all either on an SSRI and a, um, ADD medication. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was working there and then they said, don't you know, here in this location, everybody that you see is going to be on a combination of these two medications. And so as I was seeing the patient, I noticed that that was true in the chart that, you know, and they were mo mostly young, young adults, but they were on some form of SSRI or antidepressant or anxiety medication. And a lot of them were on ADD medication. And... Mm -hmm. So what that tells me is that for some communities, it's just, it's very accepted to take medication when right. you feel like it's needed. And I feel like sometimes for black women and um, we, and when I see them, it's like, you know, we've done all the therapy, we've done everything else and they're still holding on that they don't want to take medication. Mm -hmm. So how do you know when it's time to consider medication? Um, because some people consider it at the first sign and then some people can be distraught and it's interfering with their everyday life and they still won't take it. So I'm sure that there's some some way we can kind of gauge when we might uh, want to consider taking medication. I think the medication is needed when you've tried things. Give yourself a deadline. You know what I mean? Give yourself a deadline. And if you're not seeing the changes you need to say, see, then take medication. You know, I personally, I think sometimes when it comes to our kids, we medicate them too soon. That's my opinion, you know, um, because it's easier to, you know, um, it's it can be easier. Let me say it that way. It can be easier to give someone a pill versus find out why they're behaving the way they're behaving. You know, 
could it could it be something going on in the classroom? Could it be a relationship or an interaction in the classroom? You know, is there a dynamic with the teacher? You know, so um, I, I kind of feel like we medicate our kids too soon. I think we need to find out what's going on with our kids. Is it a diet issue? You know, is, is there, because starch, um, there are certain types of foods that, that feed um, ADD. So is it a change in diet that needs to occur? You know, and that's healthy for everybody in the household, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I just think that um, sometimes we do it too soon with our kids as far as giving them medication. You know, I think it's easier to give them medication sometimes than it is to try to find out what's going on, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes that might be because the resources are not there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there there seems to be a a paucity of trained therapists and, and mental health providers um, to be able to. And I know even an organization that I worked for before patients who had severe depression or anxiety were only able to speak to a therapist like once a month and um, it was not sufficient for them in their, in their treatment. So that, so that kind of comes to play as well. Um, but it, so in terms of adults, when you, you said that once you've tried all of the holistic approaches, and I know earlier you mentioned, um, and I just want to let people know, feel free if you have any questions about insomnia anxiety or depression, we're having a conversation with uh, therapist Elisha Lee about those topics. Um, feel free to put your questions in the chat. Um, so you talked about diet and um, you talked about um, sleep and uh, what are some of the other holistic things that we can do and try out and give ourselves that deadline to see if it's helping us uh, with our symptoms? Sure. So having a regular exercise routine, you know, that helps to get rid of some of that anxious energy that you might be having. So giving and also gives off that um, wonderful, uh, those wonderful uh, feelings that you get after you exercise. I often tell people I don't like to exercise, but I like the way I feel after I exercise. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so um, um, that is a definitely definite way to, um, uh, to deal with that. Um, when it comes to, uh, sorry, just a second. Um, make, having, being intentional about spending time in meditation or doing some type of mindfulness exercise, that helps slow down the racing thoughts that we often get when we are experiencing anxiety, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, whatever that looks like for you, you know, if, if it's, you know, whatever that looks like for you, if you're intentional about it, I often mention to people, maybe try to do it, do it once or twice a day. When you wake up, when you wake up in the morning and when you um, get ready in the evening, to go to bed, you know, doing that. And then everything else between is like a sandwich, you know, so um, doing something like that. Uh, if you're experiencing tense muscles in your body from the anxiety, um, progressive re relaxation technique can help. So meaning um, if you're in a place and if when you're in a place and maybe you're sitting down or you're laying down 
And I often suggest this, right? Make, you can make this part of your evening routine, you know, tightening your toes and releasing your toes and then uh, tightening um, the different parts of your body and then mm-hmm. releasing your body in order to try to um, release that. And there's plenty of um, uh, videos on YouTube if you type progressive relax, relax, uh, relax technique there's plenty of exercises there that you can do along with that in order to try to relieve that a lot of people have problems with clenched jaws and things like that and it helps to it helps with that um, as well if you're experiencing um, anxiety and stress throughout your day those are some great tips progressive relaxation techniques Um, Mm -hmm. those are great tips so I know you you mentioned that you really like to take everybody as an individual and figure out what's going on with them and then come up with a treatment plan. Mm-hmm. So when what might your treatment plan look like for somebody who comes in with anxiety? What are some of the things that you would include as part of your treatment plan? Um, would it be the things that you just mentioned or some other things as well? Well, quite often when I work with people who are dealing with, for example, um, when I work with individuals who are dealing with uh, some things that we've been talking about, they also, I find that there is an undercurrent of anger that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we, after I've taken in the survey, after I've gotten the data that I need, if they've been to, if for example, they've been going to, um, if they've been, if they've been going to and getting therapists for like three or four years, you know, if they've been dealing with this for a long time, if it's been a long time that they've been dealing with these symptoms, I am going to suggest, well, maybe we need to get a full panel done. But just in case, maybe we need to get a full panel done just to be on the safe side. You know, it, it can vary from person to person, you know, because it, 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 if it's seasonal versus if it's a long-term or more um, progressive uh, diagnosis that they have, then I want to find out from them. Um, it's going to vary, uh, vary by the person. I don't know if that answers your question, but... Typically, when I put together my therapy plans, I plan them for a period of time of six to eight weeks, and then I do a reevaluation of the plan or six to eight counseling sessions, not necessarily weeks. And then I'm going to do a reevaluation, see where we are, and decide from there, do we need to be more, more consistent or do we need to space them out more? Am I seeing progress in do we need to space it out more? But yes, in answer to your question, I may ask them about exercise. You know, I might encourage them for exercise. And I have um, people that I work with who I may, um, uh, business partners, who I may refer you to, you know, maybe it's, it's if you're having serious issues with, um, um, with, for example, um, stress or an anxiety, I might suggest to you just to get a nice massage, you know, to help mm-hmm. those muscles out, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, you know, and, 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 you know, I have 
some partnerships with some other people that I work with too. So it really just depends on the individual and I try to make it fit for who they are as people. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing is that you are great at gathering information and then coming up with a specific plan and you try to do things holistically by including diet and exercise and stress relieving activities, mindfulness activities. And you also are able to do different techniques if they're needed um, to get past trauma. So you have a plethora of tools at your disposal um, to be able to help people, um, which is, which is what I'm gathering, which is, which is awesome. Um, So before I start to, you know, I always ask about uh, limiting beliefs and I, um, because on the show, we were talking about overcoming limiting beliefs to kind of get to where we want to be. I want to ask a little bit again about treatment for insomnia. We've talked about treatment for uh, anxiety and depression. Right. Um, are there instances where you think that people do need to be treated with prescription medications for insomnia? And what are your thoughts on natural alternatives to prescriptions for insomnia? I think natural alternatives for um, insomnia is great. Chamomile tea. I'm a great uh, uh, proponent of that, you know, um, because it actually has within it, it has, um, uh, it, it, it has uh, within it, it has things that calms you to the degree where you actually feel rested and that's scientifically proven, you know, so I'm all for aromatherapy, you know, um, maybe lighting a calendar, uh, lighting a, um, lighting a calendar that just tells you how, how much mm-hmm. I had, but, you know, lighting a candle that's maybe lavender and, and scent helps to calm things as well. So I'm very much into those types of things. Um, but if that's, those things aren't working like I mentioned, you want to give yourself a deadline, uh, and and with if you get a full panel done to see if there's something missing, it could just be a slight alteration or the medication that um, is being um, um, prescribed to you may assist and support you with that. Once you get the full panel done, it really depends on. To me, it depends on the time period the length of time you've been experiencing the insomnia, you know, Mm -hmm. and let me bring this up too. I hear a lot of people say, you know, um, it runs in my family. We don't sleep. Well, that's not, and insomnia is not a DNA trait, you know, so, but it can be a learned trait. We can think like, uh, Stephanie, what you, when you mentioned before about, um, Um, you know, I can survive off of, uh, you know, three or four hours of sleep. You know, I remember um, when I, you know, when I was in my earlier years, I'll say that way, in my earlier years, that was actually encouraged. It was considered to be, you are lazy if you get sleep, you know? Mm -hmm. So it it didn't necessarily change until really this last few years where people are really encouraging you to rest more, you know? So I think that sometimes we fall ourselves in this arena of insomnia 
because it's also a learned thing. And so we have to unlearn some things in order to get ourselves back on a regular schedule of getting our sleep, you know? So that's something I wanted to add as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Sometimes it becomes a habit that we need to unlearn. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you say are any of the over the limiting beliefs that you had to overcome in order to get where you are now? I know you said that this is a second career for you and you went through um, a lot of challenges that caused you to to end up here, which is your purpose. But what were some of those limiting beliefs, things that tried to hold you back on your path to getting here and how did you overcome them? Well, I'm still in the process of overcoming them, to be quite honest with you. Um, But I would say that um, one of the things is moving out of my own way. You know, realizing that this is bigger than just me. You know, Mm -hmm. what I'm doing is bigger than me. You know, I might be putting the seed in the ground or, or starting the time period to birth it, but this is bigger than me. And, and when I recognize that, and when I move myself out the way, it made me more open to, you know, getting the support and help that I need. It made me more open to listening to advice, um, as well as, um, uh, recognizing and realizing that this is more about legacy versus what I'm doing right now, you know? So like I said, it, it, it's, it's a, and and it brings me a lot of joy, you know, uh, when I do this, this is my, this is my purpose. And it's, it's a healing, it's a wonderful thing. And it's a healing thing when you get up and you're not just doing a job because I've done that before I've done a job you know, and that's very, um, it's very diminishing for me to just do a job. But Mm -hmm. if I do something where I'm, I'm making a difference, and I know I'm making a difference. That's the difference that's there. That's, that's what brings me. That's, that's my purpose. And when I move myself out the way, and when I'm open to the and flexible to what other what, what it can bring to me, you know, as far as assisting and supporting others and realizing that this business is bigger than me. Um, I think it, the community and um, the community, as well as the people that I assist get more benefit from it. So mm-hmm. that's what I say to everybody, move yourself out the way, you know? Yeah. Love that. Move yourself out the way. It's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us, I know you are, are you taking new patients right now? I am. I am taking new patients right now. Um, Yep. I am taking new patients right now. And if you'd like to, um, you can reach me at 443-860-6870. And then if you go on my website um, and you see it at the bottom there, but it's www.elishasamlee.com. You can go on there on the website and, and make an appointment there as well. Wonderful. Okay. And what are what what is on the horizon for you? I know that you um, do individual counseling. I know you also do groups. What are some of the things that you're excited about or that you have planned? Well, I'm very excited that I'll be doing some group therapy sessions on um, uh, on. Uh, 
separate group uh, therapy sessions on depression, anxiety, and trauma. Um, it'll be a PTSD. I'll be doing a PTSD group for new moms, as well as um, uh, because of it, the depression group will be starting in the fall. I'll be doing one for those who experience um, seasonal depression. And I will also be doing an anxiety group for those who are feeling overwhelmed, particularly with new schedules coming up. And we're not necessarily past COVID, but we're becoming more in those spaces again. So those who may be feeling some anxiety with the busyness of everything. So I'll be starting three therapy groups this fall. So I'm excited about that. That is exciting. So you heard it here. I know um, there a lot of people have uh, had problems finding therapists, mm -hmm. but um, Elisha Lee is accepting new patients either for individual therapy or group therapy. So if you know somebody who's looking for a therapist, be sure to pass her information on. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on the SOAR podcast to discuss this really important topic with us. Mental health is always um, an important topic to discuss. Yes, yes, it sure is. Okay. Thank you for having me. And you guys, I enjoyed meeting with you guys and you guys have yourselves a wonderful evening. Enjoy your Friday. All right, good night. Good night. Sisters come together now, come together now. It's time to help each other out, help each other out. It's time for transformation.